Welcome to Judgment Day. <laughs> Are you ready? Massacre. 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 Don't you love it? <laughs> yeah, this is Massacre Radio, and it is, in fact, Judgment Day on this, the Great Gate Special. Great Gate. Episode 18, how about that? I, of course, am your host, Members Only Dave, and we have a lot to get into, as one might imagine, as we're going to walk you through every angle, every facet of this whole Great Gate business, and even better, it's looking more and more like we're going to have a Massacre Radio exclusive. Exclusive. A one-on-one interview with a key party directly involved with this whole situation. That's going to be happening a little bit later on, hopefully anyway, so you're definitely not going to want to miss that. Look, enough out of me. I've already been flapping my gums enough, so I think it's high time we get down to it. Roll up your sleeves and put some gloves on because it might get messy. It's Massacre Radio, baby. Come on! You're listening to Massacre Radio. Massacre Radio. No heavy lifting required. Come on, you devil box. Ah. Massacre Radio. Back here on Massacre Radio, the Great Gate special. Now, before I get to my first guest, I wanted to play a message that was left on our Massacre Radio hotline, which you two can reach at 440-941-8585. Of course, we altered their voice to protect their identity, as they did request to remain anonymous, but here's the message that was left on our voicemail. I was at the Horror Hound. I know about Great Gate. It was pushed. Wow, well, that's certainly something to keep in mind as we move along. Now, I know what you're thinking. What exactly is Great Gate? So, as far as the how it got started on this show, well... It was only last week when I spoke to artist and all-around nice guy Don England. I had innocently asked him if he had heard about Great Gate, and here's that clip from last week in case you missed it. Don, do you know of this Great Gate incident I speak of, and what can you tell us about it, if anything? I do not know. This is new to me. You could tell from the tone in his voice that it was the first time he had heard of Great Gate. Despite vending at the event, he had no prior knowledge of any incident or happening, so... There's that. And here now to get you all caught up on the whole situation, as far as what went down, allegedly, of course, we turn to Justin Rice for a brief summary and his eyewitness account. You know, he's a producer here on Masker Radio, and you've seen him do some things with Masker Video as well. He was there on the floor to witness what happened. Justin, thank you for joining us. So the question we're all wondering here is, what did you see? What actually happened, allegedly? So it was probably around 10 or 11 a.m. I'm not sure what time it was. I think the con had only been open for the early birds at that time, if it was even open at all. But I happened to be glancing around behind the table, sitting behind the table, and uh, we were across the aisle from them, and it was probably two or three tables down from us. I saw a great fallen on Violet Lazar from quite a distance away. It was the back wall of Joel Robinson's table with all of his artwork on it. It was slow enough that I actually made a face and started making some surprise noises and stuff before it ever actually hit her. Lewis, my partner here at Massacre Video, he looked over at the table and was able to see it before it fell on her, too. Then, you know, you see 
20 people rush over to their table and start pulling this, you know, I don't know, five pound grate off of this woman, 20 pound grate that's leaned up against the table. So it doesn't really weigh that much. Okay. But what happened after the grate got lifted? It seems like it was kind of a fluid situation, but what happened next? How did it appear to you Violet was reacting and handling this grate falling onto her? They got the grate back up. Everyone's freaking out, you know, high-fiving their heroes and stuff. And, and Violet even, I think, you know, I I swear to you, I saw her smiling about it and, like, laughing, like, hey, that was crazy, you know. Well, it wasn't five or ten minutes later that the commotion had died down a bit, and then I hear screaming, you know, fuck you, cunt, blah, 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 cunt, cunt, cunt from Violet Lazar yelling through the wall at someone, presumably because they pushed the thing, the grate over. I guess the question now that is at the front of everyone's mind here after hearing that is, was the grate pushed? Do you actually believe that? Well, I I couldn't believe that just by nature of the, how slow the grate fell down. So uh, we went over and looked at the other side of the wall and... You know, there's a very professional setup there. I couldn't even tell you who it was, but it was a, you know, it's like a table selling some prints and stuff. And they had such a stable setup that I don't know that uh, anything could have even pushed through it to push the grate over. So I don't know. Okay, so let's get back to the grate here. You watched it fall over onto Violet, and then what happened? So the grate falls on Violet, and maybe I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour later, you know, the commotion has been going on with Violet yelling through the gates and Joel Robinson finally shows up to his table, mixed drink in hand, just, you know, kind of seemingly just out of bed kind of thing. And, uh, you know, comes over to the table and starts getting us, getting the lowdown on what's happened with Violet. She's still screaming between the tables. And then, you know, we're seeing this all from pretty distant standpoint, but Horrorhound security comes up to her. The venue security comes up to her. There's people taking notes. There's people taking her story down over and over, and she's freaking out the whole time. Joel is gesturing as if he was there and saw someone push something over or something. He was not around at all. So it's my understanding here, based off my notes, that things escalated to the point where the medical staff had to seriously check her skull for any possible injuries, and, and there was a wheelchair involved even? I can't remember if they set her in a wheelchair or just brought a wheelchair, but I think she was in a wheelchair for a minute, and they're going through her hair with you know, latex gloves on and trying to see if there's any damage done. There's absolutely no way there was. But, I mean, I suppose that is hearsay on my part. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. But, you know, the medical staff is eventually just goes away. Everything's fine. Everyone goes away. The situation seems to be calmed down and stuff. But throughout the rest of the day, I guess, uh, Violet's just yelling back through the, through the grate at whoever allegedly pushed it. I suppose there's some possibility that it could have been pushed, but it seems ridiculous to me. Justin, is it possible this grate could have done significant damage to Violet Lazar? I mean, you said this thing was about five pounds. That's a lot of weight coming down on you when you're not expecting it, you know? Yeah, you know, I it's I don't know. It could have been like an eight-foot metal grate that has some art hanging on it. You know, it's at best they were like plastic plexiglass frames and stuff. It was... It, those wouldn't have impacted the weight too much. 
maybe, I don't know, it could be like a 20 pound grate all told, but keep in mind, it's an eight foot tall grate that's, you know, kind of leaning over. So it's not even 20 pounds landing on you. You know, it's just a hard metal grate. Probably the pictures hanging on it acted as more of a padding than anything, because then, you know, I, I don't believe that the actual grate really struck her in any way. You know, she was just kind of leaning over the table as it was. It seemed like from my vantage point that the medical staff did not uh, find anything wrong with her and also found it to be a bit of a joke. However, you know, if it was pushed accidentally, I suppose it could have been a thing where it was bumped and fell slowly, but it certainly wasn't aggressively pushed over or anything, is all I'm saying. It's my understanding, Justin, that as a result of the great falling over onto Violet Lazar, that a certain person was then barred from selling their stuff at Scarefest. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I don't really know anything about Scarefest except for what was posted by uh, Kevin Kennedy at Don't Eat the Gum on Facebook when he posted a big rant about how Jimmy Miller of WackyWits.com had been uh, banned from the event and uh basically just contacted kevin and asked him if that was as a result of what i had seen at horror hound in august and uh it was so this is far far deeper than just the great falling over onto violet lazar this is also about a man's livelihood being taken away from him and his family yes that's that's essentially what i've what i've gotten out of it is that uh the people that I had heard Violet yelling at had been about to go to another convention in, in Kentucky. They basically got told that they can't set up as soon as they got to Lexington, which I don't know where they're from, but I think it was a couple hours away from their home, and uh, basically turned away at the door in favor of Joel and Violet at the behest of Joel and Violet, as far as I could tell. I found that strange. It almost makes you wonder if the co-owners and operators were playing a little bit of favoritism towards Joel, perhaps, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's also a thing where he must have been told it when, you know, it, Joel got there and then saw that Jimmy was going to have a table, I guess. You know, it, it seems like something that could have been cleared up prior to the event starting or Jimmy driving to the event. It just seems weird all around. It's, I mean, I, I saw that Joel had actually done the artwork for the festival itself and was selling a banner for charity in conjunction with the festival. And so he obviously had been in contact with the festival for a long time and had a relationship with them. So I'm not terribly surprised by the favoritism, but the timing of turning Jimmy away at the door is very strange to me. I think uh, it seems like they knew about something long before they said anything to Jimmy about it. Justin, later on in the show, I'm expecting the chat with Brandon, the co-owner and operator of Scarefest Weekend. We're hoping he calls in anyway. Uh, what's the biggest thing you're looking for from him as it relates to the controversy? You know, the damage has been done. I think uh, being not a part of this at all, it would be nice if he would at least apologize. Uh, he seems to have acknowledged that online, he acknowledged that he's made a quick decision and maybe it wasn't the best one and stuff, but I, I never saw him apologize online. 
and that seems to be a glaring omission from his Facebook statements. Justin, there's many angles to this whole thing, and after hearing all that and considering it for myself, I just can't help but wonder if at the end of it all, Don England is somehow involved. My interactions with Don England have been, I'll say, mild at best. I don't know where he stands on anything. He's aloof. You know, he's he's kind of a, a strange guy. I don't know what he could have to do with this, but it seems weird that you would be there and not know anything about it. Do you think I should plug Wacky Wicks? Yeah, yeah, by all means. Go ahead. Wacky Wicks, that's Jimmy's whole candle deal, huh? You should check out Jimmy's wackywicks.com. He's got these prayer candles that have all different kinds of characters of all different kinds. He's got ad campaign characters and horror characters and just like, you know, I think there's even like sports characters possibly there's there's everything you can imagine and uh they're pretty cheap candles they're pretty cool and unique and check out wackywakes.com last question here then we'll get you out of here justin uh do you think there are any dark forces at play here i mean we already crossed don england off the list so what else is there do you think you know there's there's a lot of people that make a lot of money at these horror conventions and i think anything that they can do to get a leg up on one another is something that they are they're not above it justin we thank you for your time so there you have it the plot thickens just a quick couple of notes here from the justin audio we just heard we didn't touch on the fact that justin also reached out to joe rogers of 12 gauge horror and he too pushed out and declined coming on as according to joe he couldn't add anything despite being an eyewitness who helped lift the grate and heard violet call jimmy's wife a bitch I'm going to go ahead and add Joe to the list of stupid donkeys, and there are plenty of them in this story to go around. And as you might imagine, we reached out to Jimmy from WackyWicks.com, as well as many others who, just like the cowards they are, decided not to comment. That includes both Joel and Atomic Cotton, who didn't want to give us a comment because they don't, quote, do convention drama, yet they're busy running their mouths online publicly about it. That is the definition of talking out of both sides of your mouth absolutely sickening we also reached out to dark fortress pictures cowards as well they think this whole radio program is some sort of smear campaign against jimmy what an idiot and i know a weasel when i hear one and even though he was nice enough to help out jimmy let's not forget kevin having his grubby little mitts all over this story seems like he's only in it for personal gain with his big cartel.com site and mystery boxes (laughs) give me a break And that all brings us back around to Jimmy, the biggest coward of them all. While I have been playing nice and remaining steadfast in my pursuit to have him on the show, today the gloves come off because the clock just struck midnight. Look, Jimmy has nothing to lose here because he's already lost it. And if he for one second thinks seeking litigation and trying to squeeze a couple of measly little pennies out of these guys is going to work, he's in for a long, financially stressful road, my friends. And since it is radio for a visual on this, just imagine a snake eating its tail slowly choking on itself that's jimmy for you and i think one of the funniest things about this whole thing as it pertains to jimmy is that he too is reluctant to talk to us or give us any kind of statement when he was also busy turning around and making posts about it in a public forum i mean listen to this it's absolutely hilarious okay kevin made a post about wacky wicks candles on his don't eat the gum facebook page to which jimmy eventually replied and left a huge and i mean 
huge long statement about it. So what we did was we ran his statement through AI and had it read it for our listeners. And here it is, Jimmy's statement he made online as told to you by AI. It's a few minutes long, but it's totally worth it just so people can have the facts. Here it is. Hey guys, I'm the owner and designer of Wacky Wicks Candles. In August at Horror Hound, Violet and Joel was our neighbors at the back of us only separated by a black curtain. While my wife was straightening our booth Sunday morning before the show started Violet and Joel's freestanding wall fell. My wife apologized profusely because she had thought she had done it. I ran over to their booth and pulled the wall back up and was holding it while other vendors zipped the wall back together. Violet called Joel on the speakerphone and told him his stupid wall fell again. He asked how and she said that this stupid bitch did it. Well when she called my wife that I immediately dropped what I was doing and went back to my booth. My wife asked her to not call her a bitch. When I got back to the booth Violet was still yelling at my wife and telling her she she was going to kick her ass and at one point said she was going to kill her. Now remember my wife only response to this was please don't call me a bitch. My wife had said absolutely nothing but I'm sorry and don't call me a bitch. That's it. I told my wife to get away from the back wall and that Violet wasn't going to listen. This was all done in front of my three girls and my 19-year-old son. My wife started crying and I told her to take the girls to the hall. My youngest daughter was shaking because of fear. My son and I stayed at the booth while my wife went with the girls to the hall. Without my acknowledge she also went to get horror hound security. I started standing in the aisle in front of our booth to watch both ways of the aisle to make sure they wasn't going to attack us. That's when I saw my son react to the curtain wall and saw Violet yelling at him help from Joel. Telling him that she was going to kick his ass and Joel saying they were going to mess up our space the rest of the day. I started to walk to the back wall to tell her to stop when I got hit with one of our boxes because she shoved her arms through her wire wall and was shoving our boxes. So I opened the curtain and told her to stop. I told her that we were adults and you can't act this way. They continued to say we wasn't apologetic and we could have really hurt them. I responded that she couldn't say we wasn't apologetic. That's all we was was doing was apologizing and I even went over and physically placed her wall back up. Security came and had us move all of our booth a foot away from the curtain. So Violet couldn't harm any more of our items and also she couldn't say we had anything to do with her wirewall. The security went and got her report and then came and got our report. They said she was calmed down and there wasn't anything to be concerned of. Violet continued to yell the rest of the day even with the security telling her to stop multiple times. She called medical to check her mother's hand out. Medical cleared the hand and even Horrorhound told them to stop. Violet said she was going to sue us and that we were never to sell at another show. Horrorhound told us to not worry about her threats and told us they calmed her down each time, even though they really hadn't. She continued even up till tear down on the convention floor. She would pace back and forth at the black curtain looking for us. She would just say dumbass bitch out of nowhere. We found that another vendor had seen the events happening and the wire wall was falling on his own. They had just accordion the wire wall and had no supports on it. No feet or triangle pieces. A heavy item was placed near the top and the wall started slowly falling. My wife had just been in the wrong place at the wrong time. My wife apologized for it and Violet just focused all her anger on her. We should have called the cops because of her threats and her physically hitting me but we didn't at the time. We contacted Horrorhound security instead. We had to do that multiple times to ask them to have her stop slandering us and calling my wife names. My wife actually hid in the hall most of that day because she was scared of Violet and felt that she had destroyed my company. When I tell you Violet spent the entire day calling us names I'm saying from 11 a.m. till almost 8 p.m. she did this. Threatening violence, being physical, saying we were destructive and unapologetic, 
and continued to call my wife names the whole day. You are so stupid. Yeah, indeed, that was the statement Jimmy made online under a post about Wacky Wicks on Don't Eat the Gum's Facebook post as a response to the whole horror hound Great Gate situation, as read to us by AI. Jimmy bitched out, but AI bailed him out. Isn't technology amazing? We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, it's time to hear from Kevin, and I'm still hoping to hear from Brandon from Scarefest a little bit later on in the program, so we'll see about that. This is Members Only Dave, and you're listening to Massacre Radio. All right, listen here, friendo. You get one phone call, so you better make it count. Uh, I don't know any numbers off the top of my head. I haven't the slightest clue as to who to call. Look, figure something out or don't. I don't care. You've got a minute, okay? Okay, okay. Uh, let see. What was that number I'm trying to remember? Was it... Please, 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 please. Oh, it's ringing. You've reached the Massacre Radio voicemail. Oh, God damn it. It's a crummy radio station. What the hell is Massacre Radio, and why did he sound like that? Back on our airwaves. Thank you. All right, buddy, your time's up. You're coming no, with me. No, let me let me make another call. I, pr- I promise. I accidentally called Massacre Radio. Don't be like that guy. Call us on purpose at 440-941-8585. We serve it up hot. Massacre Radio. It feels good. This is WKMA, home of Massacre Radio and members only Dave. WKMA means radio. I am expecting Brandon, the co-owner and operator of Scarefest, to join me at any moment now. But in the meantime, we have Kevin from DonteTheGum.BigCartel.com. He is joining me now, courtesy of the Massacre Radio Hotline. Let me set this up here, Kevin. So you took note on social media and through various other posts online about the whole situation involving Scarefest, Jimmy, the great, and the whole bit. And instead of deciding to remain idle and being merely a spectator, you took matters into your own hands and decided to help out Jimmy by trying to raise a little bit of money for the guy in light of the decision that came down from the owners and operators of Scarefest. So, Kevin, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no problem at all. So over the last day or so, we've been corresponding via text, and I know you were busy yesterday going to actually meet up with Jimmy and his family to buy some candles and give him some funding. Talk a little bit about the meetup and how the whole GoFundMe thing went. Well, I I drove an hour. um, He drove uh, two hours to meet me. We actually met in Lexington where the show was supposed to be. It wasn't really a GoFundMe. It was more of a, um, I just took two days worth of my sales and used that to buy candles from him because he was at a complete weekend's loss of sales due to the removal from um, Scarefest. I talked to him and, you know, he was very grateful for the meetup. And when I did see him, you know, he just was with his two daughters. We exchanged the candles. We talked for about 15 minutes. I would heard everything via um, text messaging. That's why I was reading it all. So I got to hear his you know, words and his hand gestures and everything explained to me exactly what he had texted me. And he just was baffled that he was taken off the show and why he was taken off the show. And you could just see the look in his eye like, what did I do? Why do I deserve this? I mean, he's the most, you look at him and you're like, this is a, this is a family man. When you walk by him at these conventions, sometimes you're like, oh, this guy doesn't have a black t-shirt on that has like skulls and blood all over it. He's there at the booth with his children. Mm-hmm. You know, being a dad and a salesman. 
So you obviously saw Jimmy. What kind of spirits was he in during the meetup, would you say? He looked upset. But, I mean, the sales did help cheer him up. I'm pushing more sales with people. Like I said, it wasn't a GoFundMe. It was just a, a push to get some of that income he lost from that weekend, which was going to be thousands of dollars just taken from him. So, yeah. About how much money would you say you raised for Jimmy and his family, Kevin? Uh, well, it wasn't really raising. I just told everybody that two days. So I sell horror mystery boxes uh, ranging from all different kinds of price points. And I said, for the two days, I will take that and use all of that money to purchase the candles. He does give me a bit, a little bit of a discount, which is great. I do appreciate that from him. And uh, I had a decent amount of sales. I'm not the biggest business. I have a real job, like a real people job. So this is like a side thing. But I swore to him and I told him. And even after the meetup, I had a few more sales. And we're going to have another meetup. And I'm going to purchase more candles for him. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go around and try to find as many small shops to wholesale his candles just to make that um, that income that he t- was taken from him. Well, I think it's great, no matter how you slice it. Kevin, the way you're helping out Jimmy and his family over all this, uh, I guess my next question would be, if you had the opportunity to speak to Joel, what would you say to him as it pertains to the whole situation? Why? What? what it, it was an accident, if anything. Your wall fell on you. It wasn't his wall. But even if it was an accident, why did you two react that way? There's plenty of witnesses, and I did ask around. I'm not just jumping the gun on this. I've known Joel for years. Years. I've broken bread with him. We've had drinks together. You know, I considered him a friend. Why would he do this to somebody? Why would he? What made him so angry that he had to remove him from one of the biggest conventions of the year? What? Why? Why did you do that? There's none of us can wrap our heads around it, where all that anger came from. Like, we're all supposed to be in this together, and that was just insane. So I, I, why? That's all I have is why. That's uh, powerful stuff there, Kevin. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us here on Masker Radio. If you do want to talk about my business at some other point, I'd be more than happy to. Oh, did he drop? Oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Must have had a bad connection there, but uh, let's do it again sometime. What do you say? That was Kevin from DonateTheGum.BigCartel.com. He sells horror movie mystery boxes varying in price ranges. Hey, the holidays are coming up, so go check it out and give it a spin for the horror lover in your family. And wouldn't you know it, one door closes, another one opens. My next guest is calling in right now on the hotline as we go to Brandon. He's the co-owner of Scarefest. He's the man directly involved in the decision-making that kept Jimmy and his family away from Scarefest and unable to peddle their wares. Brandon, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, yeah, so first things first, what sort of factors did you consider that ultimately led to you making the decision to not let Jimmy sell his candles at Scarefest? Well, the week going into it, you know, we received information on the incident last minute. And that was actually the week of the show. So we had to make a decision to protect the safety and well-being of everyone at the show. And so we made the decision to refund their booth in total. We attempted to make restitution on the hotel room so no one would be out of pocket. We didn't want to facilitate any further issues or put anyone in risk. So we made that decision, and I stand by that decision. We've had to do this in the past before if we've ever gotten any reports where we felt the need to exercise caution on anyone coming to the show at a vendor capacity. And I think that, you know, obviously getting the time frame and, and everything, 
I wish we'd had a little bit more time to do some more due diligence on it. But Well, I guess that leads into my next question here, which is now that some time has passed and new information has come to light, do you at all feel like you rushed to judgment on Jimmy and the whole situation? I don't feel like it was a rush to judgment. I think given the information, and I still don't have any additional information subsequent to the show, that would make me change that decision. I think as it stands, I think it was the, I think it was the right decision to make. Brandon, what do you have to say to Jimmy and his family as of right now? I don't want anyone to be in a position like that, but I mean, I would say by even their own statements, they were concerned about the show and, and you know, being in that in another environment with someone that I think that they're doing litigation with. You know, I don't know Jimmy personally. I don't have a long-standing relationship with him, um, nothing against him personally or professionally. But I think that we did everything in our power you know, to make sure that he wasn't, or that they weren't out of money. The second that we did it, you know, we issued a full refund on any any and all money. We attempted to reach out to him about any out-of-pocket expenses he may have incurred as far as, like, hotels and things. As, as of right now, unless he's missing today, I have not heard anything. Uh, clearly, the relationship between yourself, Scarefest, and Jimmy is fractured. Do you at all see any possible way the relationship can be patched and in good standing again? I'm certainly willing to talk to any vendor who feels like that they have another or additional information to share in any type of event like this. I put my, my contact out there. He's free to contact me. We can set up a time to talk. I think that at our event, I mean, we have the, we reserve the right to you know, not have folks, you know, bend at the show if we have any reason or cause for alarm. And that's fairly standard in the industry. And I feel like, you know, that decision was right. And I feel like it was the best one. Um, but I would be more than happy to talk with him. Like I said, when we, the second that we realized, you know, this is probably the, the best course of action. Um, I had folks on my end issue an immediate refund. Uh, we sent correspondence to him. I've attempted to reach out to him after the show. And that door is open to him anytime he wants to speak with me. Brandon, the co-owner and operator of Scarefest, is joining me now on the program uh, one more question before we let you go. There's been some whispers, some murmurs online and about that. This is a classic case of you playing favoritism towards Joel. What do you say to those accusations? I think that Joel has an excellent reputation in the industry, and we have worked with Joel for a very long time. And, I mean, really, the incident report itself was from more than just, I mean, I, I can't talk about who all had concerns about it. But, I mean, Joel purchased his booth earlier within the year. We've worked with Joel for a very long time, and that seems a fair course of action. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we let you go, Brandon? Yeah, and, and I apologize that it, it's reverted to this, but, you know, weighing these things out in the court of public opinion is, is really not the best course of action. I mean, we take things like this very serious throughout in the entire thing. We, we've worked with people painstakingly that if there's a concern brought to us, that we address it accordingly. Again, though, you know, there's two sides to every story. And unfortunately, sometimes on social media, you know, you have persons that are associated with maybe competitors and things like that. And that's what I've seen also play out in this situation as well, which is unfortunate. But we try to make a level playing field for everyone. And the event was a huge success this year. And a lot of people had fun. I think it was probably our most successful event today. I appreciate you taking the time to, to reach out to us and allowing us the opportunity to provide some information on how we kind of look at it. Hey, of course. And that's the whole reason why we had hoped to get you on in the first place. So everyone can speak their truth and let their voice be their ladder, so to speak, you know? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Brandon, thank you once again, and enjoy the rest of your day, okay, man? Oh, you too. Take care. What happens when you tell a friend about Massacre Radio on WKMA? He tells two friends, and they tell two friends, and they tell their friends. 
and so on, and so on, and so on. Massacre Radio, an HD2 station only on WKMA Cleveland. Massacre Radio. Back here on Massacre Radio. Now, after hearing the eyewitness testimony from Justin Rice, the phone call from Kevin Kennedy and how he was helping out Jimmy, as well as, you know, Brandon from Scarefest uh, calling in to say his piece. So here now with his instant analysis is Lewis. You also know him from Massacre Video. Lewis, welcome to the program. What's going on? So you've heard the testimony on Great Gate. You've heard the facts and you've drawn your own conclusions here. Which is what? I thought Great Gate was going to be a quick in and out of a story, you know, just kind of a convention story as old as time itself. Um, you know, I thought the Great fell. It was just set up in a sloppy way. It was bumped throughout the weekend. Some innocent people got blamed. Then, you know, we found out the more recent developments of Jimmy and his family being unfairly uh, banned from Scarefest, which, you know, kind of sounds like there were secret deals made, some handshakes, you know, like a conspiracy, something like that. A little, you know, we can just go that route with it. It almost kind of seems at times that a mystery box or mystery boxes, if you will, are an underlying factor in all this. I mean, some might say that the only reason Kevin is getting involved is to get his bigcartel.com site more traction, no? I think it certainly does seem that way. You know, um, he was definitely trying to be the hero that was saving the day, making it, at least from what I was reading into it, you know, I could have been interpreting it incorrectly, but it seemed like there was money being raised for his family. But uh, from our interview, it sounds like they just made a wholesale deal, which is, you know, pretty, uh, you know, standard in business. Um, But yeah, there's definitely a mystery box element because Joel and Violet, they are now advertising their own horror mystery box. I think it's, you know, I think it's just a mess. So after all this, whether or not the great was pushed, whether or not Don England actually knows what happened, all that, you think it could be a ploy to get people to purchase mystery boxes, Lewis? I I really do. Um, At this point, I, I don't think that was why it was set out. Like, that's the reason this happened. But I think some drama happened, and now, you know, people are now wanting to sell their own wares. They're wanting to jump on this little piece of heat. They're wanting, you know, to sell their box of, like, the mystery goods. Uh, And it just seems like there's just new mystery boxes being added to the equation every single day. Okay, so mystery boxes aside here, Lewis, do you think there's any other possible motives at play here? It seems like they want certain things controlled within this. Um, I mean, not to really get into too much behind the scenes baseball, but some of some of the people, well, one of the person, people who was interviewed, they got angry at us for inquiring for more sources for this story. And, you know, if we're here really to find the mystery of the greats, why do any of these other things like matter? It seems like a lot of ego, unfortunately, got thrown into the story. And uh, I don't really know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy anymore here. Well, we can't forget Kevin, you know, he was nice enough to join us here on the program and more importantly, help out Jimmy's family with that whole GoFundMe thing. Just talk a little bit about where Kevin falls into place with all this. I think he's making a name for himself doing this, you know, uh, looking at, you know, some of the comments on his uh, page, looking at the other posts, like these are the posts that are getting the engagement. So, you know, it's, it's really easy to stick your head into other people's affairs and, you know, profit from it. And, after the interview and just kind of dealing with like Jimmy behind the scenes and a lot of these, just, just dealing with this, um, nothing really seems as cut and dry as it appears on the surface. Now, Lewis, you heard the interview I was able to do with Brandon, the co-owner of Scarefest, the man directly responsible for not having Jimmy at the event. For a minute there, uh, just talk about the bravery on his behalf to be able to step up and say his piece. 
I'll give Brandon partial credit for that. He did step up to the plate. He let his piece be heard. But I would like to also just put out there, when you're looking at like the internet flame comments of some of the other people we were trying to, to meet with, Brandon is doing it as well. He's bluntly calling Jeremy or um, my apologies, Jimmy, a liar constantly. Uh, he's saying this is not how the story played out. They wouldn't do what this guy is selling. So I think it was kind of, uh, you know, contrary to what he said to us at bat. So it seems like no matter what, we're not going to get a clear answer from any party. Really, Lewis, the last key piece here is Joel. Just if Joel is hearing this, if he's listening right now, what is your message to him? I think the easy narrative is to spin this against Joel and Violet. But I think investigating this and just scratching slightly past the surface, there is a lot more to this. And I think it would be smart for Joel and Violet to come out and, you know, say their piece. Because right now it's just it's just a mess, man. It's just a mess. Wow. Just a lot of factors to consider here, Lewis. We thank you so much for the phone call and expertise, and be sure to join us for any further updates, okay? Well, outside of all this drama, I really have to say, David, you have been killing it with Massacre Radio. Uh, sales have been through the roof. We're reaching all new demographics, and, you know, thank the people at the station down there. We're, we're doing it, and um, I'm very happy to have you part of the team. And there you have it, a feather in the cap for Masker Radio, a milestone episode, if you will. I can't help but feel like after all that, we now have more questions than answers. Lots of interesting angles to this whole Michigas. Uh, before we wrap this up, let's try and call and contact Jimmy Miller once again and see if we can't get him on the horn. Please leave your message for 9 Well, on that note, I think it's time to end it for the week. Our door is always open for either Joel or Jimmy to join us on a later program. As always, I have been your host, Members Only Dave. Thank you for joining us, and I'll talk at you next week. I do not know. This is new to me. I know about great news. It was pushing. I don't feel like it was a rush, Judge. If you do want to talk about my business at some other point, I'd be more than happy to. Jimmy Miller of WackyWhip.com. I think it was a rush decision, Mike. I told her that we were adults, and you can't act this way.